what I want to talk about today is the spirit of the King of England. And what, what do I mean by that? Well, first thing I need to explore, I'll explore, is what is Geist. Well, then I will go into sort of negative examples of it and then positive examples of it. Also unpacking Santa as one of these Geist spirits. Then I'm going to read a speech from Shakespeare from Henry VIII. Geist is a very real structural functional organization, a meme complex across many brains. It survives across many brains. Your, even your own personality is a meme complex. These geists emerge from group spirit. You might think of it from school spirit. Same sort of thing. We have groups of people together, around one motivation, they emerge. Now, don't think about this like it's, oh, it's just a meme. I see memes on the internet. No, the tendrils of these things, especially when they're very complicated, run all through different levels of knowledge that rest in semantic memory, in episodic memory, and out in the real world, they are objectively out because our values affect how we create things. So the value structure of a certain geist can be in the landscape itself. It's objective. It's real. Insofar as they are arrangements of very real pieces of matter in the brain. So neurons in the psyche, just like atoms, are a very real arrangement in, in acid and are corrosive when used, just like viruses are a very real arrangement of atoms. A meme complex is another level of abstraction, another level of complexity up. And those meme complexes are just as real as the other things. And impulsions, they're patterns of behavior. But that's all we are. We are patterns of behavior, our character. And within you are almost autonomous things. And some are very old when you come to your culture spirit. Some are implicit. Some are propositional. Think about the woke parasite. That's mostly propositional, but it does. Its tendrils go into emotion, all sorts of things. Some are episodic. Some are narrative. Some are procedural, like procedural, episodic, na narrative, semantic, propositional. Like That's the top, most conscious, explicit layer. Some are implicit. Some are explicit. Most are all of these things together. They exist on multiple levels of abstraction and explicitness at the same time. Ancient people understood this stuff better than we do. And this is how they saw the world. This was the cosmology. These psychological complexes can even have their own identity. People even create them. If you label it and put belief into it, it's like imaginary friend. Those things actually become a set of behaviors. It's not multiple personality syndrome, but they can take over consciousness. If you if you really been possessed by it, that's what a possession is. When someone's possessed by the devil, that's a very real meme that has a meme complex that has possessed them, an autonomous spirit that has possessed them. Now let's look at Santa, for instance. You grew up as a kid and you thought, oh, I don't believe in Santa anymore. He's not real. Wrong. He is real. It's Christmas. You put on your Santa suit. You speak to your child. This dad's name is Bob, but he's wearing all the Santa suit and saying, Oh, Merry Christmas, little boy. Have you been naughty or nice? That is the Santa Geist. The kid, who's he speaking to? He's not speaking to Bob. The kid is speaking to Santa. And the pattern of behavior, which is all we are as characters, the pattern of behavior, the spirit of Santa, which has been mimetically passed, father to son, mother to daughter, from out the ethic, from out the culture, to you and you wear it though he's not talking the kid is not talking to bob he's talking to santa think about it the cadence that you give that's not what bob sounds like and you're not in that moment you are not bob because bob doesn't act like santa does he bob acts like bob we are also as individuals we are less consistent as we realize we have a lot of dif different identities within us 
obviously we've got the ego consciousness which is the prime one but there are autonomous things that are below in the unconscious that operate and the better you can integrate those spirits the more successful you are as an individual for the ego consciousness doing what it wishes towards its will uh, Jung said of the ego consciousness that you are as if a king in a realm in which you can only see this tiny bit of land. You're a king who thinks he's a king of all of it, yet he's just got this small city of London and all of England, and most of the places are un unseen to you, and you've never been there before. Psychologically justified, look into the works of Jung. It's a complex, a psychological complex, and they do act out autonomously, and you can understand that in your own behavior. Say you want to do something a certain day. You have planned this thing with your ego consciousness. You've written down what you want to do during the day, and then suddenly your food drive or your sex drive acts out autonomously without your control so you might ask the question well that stuff is just in the mind well wrong don't think it's subjective <laughs> they are real structural functional organizations in the world they affect the real world it's the next level of complexity up from biology it's real the spirits are real value structures out there in objects because objects are made from our own valuations all objects are related to human scales when you make objects and you judge them that renders them into a sort of reality so much going on outside of it and under the surface are dangerous things we can be possessed possessions real who do you think you're talking to when you talk to an activist they are possessed by the propositional spirit of this woke parasite which is not young it's actually very old I would call it the scapegoater, the scapegoater parasite, and that means the lie. It blames other things for its own responsibility. It doesn't try to better itself by the imitation of Christ, let's say. It's not the meme of peace, it's a war meme. It's it wants to, it feeds off other people. Don't underestimate these things either. These guys are powerful forces. We are like dogs to them. If you think you understand these guys, if you kill it, get rid of it then. Come up with your own meme to stop people acting that way. No, you, you can't, right? Because it's much more complicated than you. We label these things to from out of the void to understand them in a symbolic sense. So we can, okay, we can see that. The dragon, that's the dragon, right? Doesn't mean you can defeat the dragon with your own limited meme complex that makes you up as an individual. Don't underestimate their ability to touch you when you don't you think you think you're so smart in your ego consciousness you've got wikipedia you've got the internet at your disposal and science you're not a scientist for one and to actually run the scientific me method is incredibly hard it taxes you so you are susceptible to this and you think no i'm not of course not i know we know so much about the universe the more we think we know about these things the more these unconscious effects the more you deny them the more that you think they don't exist, the more power they have over you. That's why this woke, woke parasite was so successful in gaming these people, because they thought, ah, oh, we understand everything. Scientism makes you more susceptible because you don't have a value structure, a ritual structure, a procedural hierarchy that you operate in that is something that doesn't move. If you don't understand and integrate religio, the propensity for religiousness, which all humans have, it will possess you. And you can see it that that it left a gaping hole for this wokeism. When you refer to Christian or Christ, you would call him the meme of peace, the meme complex of before giving, putting at the top of the value hierarchy, giving before. This idea did not exist before them. Before that, all these egregores on their own would just fight each other in war. The king spirit is mostly 
an implicit thing. We don't see it as as what it really is. It acts on our behaviours without us even realising it. The higher things are in the value hierarchy, the more deeply nested and sometimes you don't see them. It's like the water, it's like the air. When it's everywhere, it's invisible. And so it begins with the ideal, with the king, with Alfred the Great. It's in the mythos in King Arthur. It begins with kings, it passes to the gentry, Agincourt, peasant rebellion, it passes to the individual people as manifested in Robin Hood. So when the tyrant rears its ugly head in a behavior that is tyrannical, there's certain elements in the psyche, these are the patterns of action that represent the king spirit, respond in kind with the behaviors that are summed up in the proposition an Englishman must always overcome and fight tyranny. Implicitly, that's like you as Santa, but without knowing it, you're embodying the king spirit and wanting to fight it because it's so valued in our culture. But that is part of the tendrils of the geist of the king spirit, that behavior. It could be with a joke like Robin Hood in a pub, right? A tyrant. That's why we attack our leaders, why we make fun of our prime ministers, our presidents. Whereas in a big dictatorship, you do that, you get executed. That's just one through line of this king spirit's behavior, right? You go, okay, well, well hang on, that's a proposition. It's a description of the behavior set or one of them as represented in King Arthur with no tribute will we pay with Rome and as represented in Henry VIII saying get wrecked Rome. Now what that means is it's a moral impulse so this pattern of behavior is just like you are as an individual. Someone does something to you, you have certain complexes in you that responds to it. This particular value hierarchy is particular in its position in the hierarchy as being highest for the English speaking people. This personality pattern of behavior, this meme complex that's in all of us, that we have shared characteristics of moral impulsions that are particular to the Kanzik and the United States. Just like Santa, it's real. In this case, it's less explicit. We don't have a name for it. It's always been that implicit beneath it, but no one's made this explicit. Christianity and theology have been making that, that explicit forever, but this has always been... A thing that has governed us and we haven't really realized it's there but it's a very real thing it's a very real thing indeed a value hierarchy is the structure of these most cherished patterns of behavior english personality because a culture is best defined as a personality a structure a hierarchy of patterns of behavior at the top you might put christ right that seems to be the case for christian culture but in englishness immediately under that is this king spirit a value is an arrangement in the psyche it's a structure of things certain phenomena being to the psyche more excitable or patterns of behavior let's say is more excitable or or it can be the negative it can be the opposite less excitable more reprehensible something that you don't want or want away from is that say oh that's good move towards that and that is part of the structure which makes up the identity of england the things we value the most the behaviors we value the most but it's also an organism in the sense that it is an egregore of its own it's like you could call it an angel you could call it a saint the saints are you could consider the saints being alive they're alive in their story and their ethics st george is alive there's a reason why st george was picked at the top of the hierarchy of the english-speaking people as the patron saint of england because this behavioral trait was already in us which represents this king spirit this meme complex that makes up this thing at the top of the hierarchy it's a character you can find your values in the character of your of a civilization's greatest heroes and those heroes are literally still alive as the king of england is still alive
they still are operating. Robin Hood is that, right? You can see the Geist fighting the woke thing. That's us making jokes at these people's ex expense. That's what the pub is for, the arena for Robin Hood. That's why they're trying to shut down jokes and comedy, because that's a particular English virtue to do that. A new virtue, not just Christian, but to take the piss is an English virtue. The joke makers, they reveal the truth. And Robin Hood is failing. That's why we need Arthur. We need the king spirit to come in now to render itself known. This stuff like Tennyson's verse makes it clear. You can see it once you understand its patterns of action. Robin Hood succeeds, the king also can return. But when he fails, you need the mythos of King Arthur. An authority that rises, a man that rises to lead us, he resurrects the king's spirit to go to war against our enemies. Christ, the meme of peace, which keeps us in check, and that spirit of peace tells you when you put the sword away. That's what that spirit does. That's why Arthur goes away. The actual king spirit of England, it says on one side of Excalibur, take me. On the other side, it says, cast me away. The English king spirit, it's not Woden. It's not this force that if you put it at the top of the hierarchy, you end up with World War II. Arthur's different, fights the tyrant, then leaves. It's a real thing that's alive right now, but it's been implicit for so long. It is the King of England. You can detect it. When, when you tyrannize his people, he slowly starts to wake. Then his man, Robin Hood, is the first to respond. Throwing the barbs, doing that. But the return of the king, it goes Robin and then the king. The Robins are the ashes. The Robins are the filth that is found. Are the people coming up from the bottom to enact the noble behaviors of the king spirit and that actually brings it back to life. They're virtue practices that make you a king. That's what makes you an English king. And if you don't embody the virtues, you have the values. We all do. But if you don't have the virtues that match them, you don't get to be American kingman. You don't get to be an English kingman. You have to be dangerous. You have to enact the virtue practices of the king to be noble. And that's what we're trying to uncover. The patterns of action that make up an English kingman. The king will follow Christ, and we the king, and whom high God has breathed a secret thing. That secret is detected by the emotions. The patterns of behavior are detected by it because they're implicit. You notice spirits, you notice geists. When you're emotional, I don't know, when you hear some of these verses and you feel emotions, the words themselves, they're value-laden, are spirit-laden. That gives an emotional response, not just how I'm saying it to you, but also when you look at them yourselves and see their meaning. Because the value hierarchy is in your unconscious. It detects it when it's seen and unpacked. But you have to participate in it by looking at the symbol itself and understanding its meaning. And you can see, and when you see me doing it, that's you doing it as well. We're both doing this at the same time. And now I'll go on and read quickly, which also articulates this, this bit from Tennyson's ideals of the king, the King Arthur, Tennyson. And I will tell thee, few, few, but all brave, all of one mind with him. The king, king spirit, right? Arthur, but you'll see. The knight holding back the darkness. It's few of them, though. For I was near him when the savage yells of Uther's peerage died, and Arthur sat crowned on the dais, and his warriors cried, Be thou the king, and we will work thy will, who love thee. Then the king, in low, deep tones and simple words of great authority, authority meaning out of the value hierarchy, because that's where authority comes from, bound them by so straight 
vows to his own self, to his own spirit, right? That when they rose, knighted from kneeling, some were pale as at the passing of a ghost, geist, spirit, right? Some flushed, others dazed, as one who wakes half-blinded at the coming of a light, the coming of a spirit of light, of Arthur, into his knights on the round table. After he spoken the words of the ideal, spoken the words, simple words of great authority in low, deep tones. Be thou the king and we will work your will. But to be the king, you have to enact the virtue practices, right? To be the king, you have to embody the king's spirit. Then the people will come behind you. When he spake and shared his table round with large, divine and comfortable words, value-laden language, right? Beyond my tongue to tell thee, I beheld. It's holy, he's a spirit, he's beyond human, right? Because this is Arthur in the mythos too. This is Arthur in the geist that Tennyson's channeling, right? It's a narrative map of what's really there. Poets see it first, the artists see it first. It's, it's no surprise that Tennyson did The Forested and this as it's his major works. The two greatest heroes, Robin Hood, King Arthur. Anyway, I'll go on. I beheld from eye to eye, through all their order, flash a momentary likeness of the king. Mimetic, the geist is inherited, right? They're absorbed into it after hearing simple words of great authority. And his likeness flashes in them. And ere it left their faces through the cross and those around it and the crucified, right? It's under God. It's not a vicious spirit. In Shakespeare, you see, it's manifested. And I'll read it now. I might as well read it now. For heaven now bids me. And the words I utter... Let none think flattery, for they'll find him truth. This royal infant, heaven still move about him, though in his cradle, yet now promises upon this land a thousand thousand blessings. He shall be, but few now living can behold that goodness, a pattern to all princes living with him, and all that shall succeed. Sarba was never more covetous of wisdom and fair virtue than this pure soul may be. All princely graces that mould up such a mighty peace as this is, with all the virtues that attend the good, shall still be doubled on him. Truth shall nurse him. Holy and heavenly thoughts still counsel him. He shall be loved and feared. His own shall bless him. His foes shake like a field of beaten corn, and hang their heads in sorrow. Good grows within him. In his days every man shall eat in safety. Under his own vine what he plants and sing the merry songs of peace to all his neighbours. God shall be truly known, and those about him from him shall read the perfect ways of honour, procedure, right? And by those claim their greatness, not by blood. Nor shall this peace sleep with him, doesn't sleep with one person dying. But when this bird of wonder dies, the phoenix, his ashes new, create another heir. As great an admiration as himself, so shall he leave his blessedness. When heaven shall call him from this cloud of darkness, who shall from the sacred ashes of his honour shall star-like rise as great in fame as he was, and so stand fixed. Peace, plenty, love, truth, terror, that were the servants to this chosen infant, shall be his, and like a vine grow to him, wherever the bright sun of heaven shall shine. His honour and the greatness of his name shall be and make new nations. He shall flourish, and like a mountain cedar reach his branches, to all the plains about him. He shall be to the happiness of England. 
this is the Archbishop saying it, of the English Catholic Church of England. This is Henry VIII has separated from Rome. And this is sort of representing the conscious birth of this king spirit, let's say, this royal infant which is the new, because it's been placed at the top of the hierarchy, not Rome, it's us under Christ. This royal infant, this Geist, heaven still move about him. Heaven is a sort of spirit it's in the mental mind. The values move around him. The heavenly bodies move around the king's spirit, the royal infant. You move, We move around him. It has evolved and emerged to become the top of the hierarchy. It was there long before this, though. It begins with bloody Alfred the Great fighting the Danes. But it's in the mythos of Arthur, so it's a thousand years old, really, maybe older. They begin long before they are made conscious. Then artists see it after that. Then it's made explicit, let's say, by philosophers. But few now living can behold that goodness, the patterns to all princes living with him. It's a pattern of action. You're living with him in you. And we are all princes as inheritors of the kingship, because the king's spirit has gone all the way down to the yeoman. It was the gentry first, and eventually, of course, this value hierarchy, from us imitating the king, it became a part of our own psyche. And you see that in Robin Hood. All princely graces, graces like from God, it's a proper desire. You're, you're inspirited with grace. You're given grace, the Holy Spirit. The symbol for grace is the bird. It comes from God. All the high, princely, high in the hierarchy, graces that mould such a mighty peace as this peace, king spirit, with all the virtues that attend the good, the procedures, because the virtues is a description of a pattern of behavior, the practices, right, which make up this king spirit, the rituals, those virtues attend the good in the value hierarchy. Just think of that like a structure in the unconscious that we all have. It's kind of passive, that bit. A certain behavior is demonstrated and it's excitable towards it. There's two sides to it. One is the actual actions and the procedures, the rituals. Now, what that says is if you all the princely graces, the energy, the energy that, that actually gets you to start the thing that mould up such a mighty piece as this, as a king, shall still be doubled on him. You get even more grace, even more energy, and it will reinforce itself. So if you use and you figure out, like, look, that's what Greenwood's about, right? Figuring out the procedures and virtue practices to embody the good. The more you do it, the more energy and power you have, the more kingly you are in this culture. He shall be loved and feared. His own shall bless him. Bless him, shall consecrate him, shall make him holy. His foes will shake like a field of beaten corn and hang their heads with sorrow. That's all connected. Only if we bless him, only if we enact the holy rituals, only if we enact the procedures and hallow him with our blood, hallow him with our energy, and realize his sacred and name him, will our enemies hang their heads with sorrow. If you don't do anything, then he'll just die and will be defeated. If you don't defend the Churchill statues like that guy did, our enemies won't hold their, ha hold their heads in sorrow. You have to actually do the blessing, enact the ritual, turn up to the places. Power, that keeps us power. Our enemies know we value it. They might come after it, but they'll also fear it because they see that we're there. If no one turns up to do it, they'll just go in and stab more. That's how they keep creeping up. So you need to imbue it. You need to keep going back and reinforcing it and re-embodying it and doing the rituals. You need to get back in there and do it. Then they will fear it. Then, uh, then they uh, hang their heads in sorrow because they know that they're not killing it. God grows with him. With him. 
the good in you grows with him in you as the king spirit grows, right? Because it's all the best behaviours that build Britain, all the best behaviours that made England what it is. It's also safe because this spirit values liberty. It only lashes out like a lion when you attack it. It goes back to sleep. Think about a lion. It's like a stone lion. When the tyrant rises, its eyes suddenly start to glow and a real lion emerges and slays the tyrant and becomes a stone again. Unlike other war spirits, let's say, a geist, let's say, like Woden in World War Two, I want to talk about the people that had Woden in, right? That doesn't stop. That just keeps going until it dominates everything. He protects us. He will be our soul. As he grows, the good grows. The good times grow. In his days, every man shall eat in safety. Under his own vine, what he plants and sing the merry songs of peace to all his neighbours. The king spirit re-establishes the greenwood. But so look at this. This is, this is written in bloody 1600. Shall have sustenance in safety under his own plot of land, the yeoman, right? Own vine. What he plants, private property. If you embody in an act this king spirit's ways and procedures, you'll eat in safety under your own vine what you plant. Because the king spirit protects your rights, do they really exist? You only have rights if you bring his days about, with all his virtues attend the good, and all those about him, the king spirit, from him shall read the perfect ways, the ways, the procedures, how to, of honour. And by those claim their greatness, not by blood. Think about when he's saying this. That's England. That's meritism. And by those ways claim their greatness, not by blood, not by birth, by having the king spirit in you, by the way of the dragon slayer, as the book I'm working on is called, right? It's part of this project. Towards the good, not just the values, because you have, everyone's got the value hierarchy. Whether they have the, the matching virtue hierarchy is another question. Nor shall this peace sleep with him, because it's talking about a mortal as well, and I've changed it to him so you get it. It's like, nor shall this peace sleep with a mortal king, him. But as when the bird of wonder dies, the phoenix, his ashes new create another air. And that's where it becomes clear what, what, what is flowing through Shakespeare here, is that it's not just a mortal, because he dies, yet it's, it's saying, no, this thing is a, it's a real spirit, and it dies, and the air has it. Right? And we all have it too, because we imitate the king. We imitate, the princes imitate the king as great an admiration. You admire, you admire what is your value hierarchy. It's in us, or you wouldn't admire it. As great an admiration as himself. Meaning the spirit survives when the crown's dead. Meaning the real king spirit is not blood. Its greatness is the, is the ways of honour. It's a way, it's a personality. The real blessedness, which is the real power, the real holiness is left to one and all, really, is left by dying, by not being the tyrant, by letting it go. The, the mortal lets it go because it, it still exists. It passed on to other people and it's now in all of us. Who from the sacred ashes of his honour, right, of his love, honour is your reputation, it's your spirit, comes the next one shall star-like rise as great in fame as he was. It comes from the honour. And you value the character because it's in your value hierarchy. And that person exists in you, has become more and more powerful over time. 
beginning with the original kings of England, then imbued into the mythos, into the King Arthur narrative, this impulsion, don't tread on me impulsion, moving into the Robin Hood legends, right, down to the people, filtering down to the yeoman, till we all had it within us, imitating the king of England. You see that with the longbow, right, we all recognised our power and self-sovereignty, but also we value the king as one person, the crown and authority, we still value that. It's not libertarian in that, that, that uh, anarchist libertarian way. It's great and famous he was, and so stand fixed, stays there. It lives beyond the mortal, it's still there. Because this king spirit's now being born now in the culture as the separation from from the church represents. And Shakespeare is not completely aware of this. It's flowing through him. He's speaking on the surface about the queen, but it's obvious, it's implicit in this, what's going on, what he's talking about, because he's talking about the Church of England. It's England here. It's the king spirit that's flowing into this. Peace, plenty, love, truth, terror. That were the servants to this chosen infant. Chosen. Chosen by virtue. Chosen by from the value hierarchy. Terror. Remember... Christ doesn't operate in terror. The king spirit does it because Christ can't. We want to protect our kingdom because it exists in the mortal sphere. We don't want it to be too terrible. We want to defend people who wish to worship Christ or whatever. That is what the king spirit is for because we need this realm to exist or it goes back to a horrible, we'll be the slaves of egregores and then Christ is gone. The meme of peace is gone. And like a vine grow from him. Right. Like you too, if you embody this spirit, these things, peace, plenty, love, truth and terror will be yours. If you embody it and enact the virtue practices that bring it about, the highest ideal, wherever the bright sun of heaven shall shine, the sun of the highest good, his honour and the greatness of his name shall be and make new nations, right? This is pre-America. This is pre-America. His honour, his spirit... And the greatest greatness of his name, of the King Spirit of England, because it's given to the Puritans, it's given to the Virginians, it's given to the Borderlanders, the folkways of America, and they go there and enact it. And think about it, don't go down on the King of England. When the Quakers left, Charles II, there's this great story, and he had the King Spirit in him, obviously. Is it the Quakers who were going to Pennsylvania to settle America were sailing past, and uh, the King of England on his ship came out and said, oh, ah, you there, on his royal vessel, as he said, like, are you Quakers? And the Quakers go back to him and say, yes, we're Quakers, off to the new world. And he says, oh, God bless you, God bless you, spiritual way to the colonies. Charles II, this king, disobeyed his ruling elite and gave the Quakers their land titles. When you look down on the king, part of the settlement of America, this king spirit in Charles II recognised they were off to, to find their destiny. He held back tyranny and, and granted the Quakers land in the new world. Our children's children shall see this and bless heaven for it, right? All the benefits that we now enjoy because of this spirit, we must bring it back to life. That's the whole point, right? He shall be to the happiness of England. His becoming because becoming is an acting our being is is moving constantly moving it's like a spark enacting itself if you enact his value hierarchy his behaviors it's to the happiness of the realm and of the english australia canada new zealand united states that's what this shakespeare thing is about don't underestimate these things these geists oh it's just a mind virus no it's in reality it's real it's 
a living thing, when like the protesters, Antifa, and really ask yourself this question. Is that when you see that, what are you speaking to? What are you speaking to? You're speaking to the egregore. The egregore is speaking to you through its host. Do not think this trivial or a joke. It's driven the police to turn up at people's houses for thought crime. Oh, you can't say that. Or you go to the gulag. That's what's happening in Britain now. People bloody say something online and the bloody... You're nicked, mate. You're fucking nicked. And the cops turn up and say, oh, your thinking's wrong. How about your thinking's wrong? Bang. We need guns back. We need... Egregore's tendrils are in the power of the state all through it. They own it, baby. They own it. But this is not a reason to despair. The king's spirit is in the very landscape. It's laying nascent. This spirit is patient. It's benevolent. It waits. The power to defeat our enemies is within you. It's within all of us. It's within the works. It's within the cold north wind that tempers us with its eyes. It's within the roar of the lion on the symbol of the English royal symbol of the three lions. When you make war against his people, when you tyrannize them, he wakes. He wakes because they are in pain, because they say, where are you, Robin Hood? If you care, sound the bugle horn for me. If you care, sound the bugle horn for me to come and I'll return from Avalon. We need to sound the bugle horn to bring him back. It's asking us to enact the practices for him to return. Then he'll save us from the tyranny of our enemies. If we do it, he will. The return of the king. Think about it. The cycle of the return of the king. From the ashes of fire shall woken, a light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The grandest again shall be king. Dare greatly to believe in the potential and power of this king spirit of England, the spirit of England, the English-speaking people, to face down and fight this woke parasite, to face down and fight these geists, these dark spirits. I know, it's like saying these spiritual religious type words can sound a bit like, you know, woolly. It's an ancient, but our weapons are just as ancient. Our weapons gave us everything we have. God bless you. God save the king. And dare greatly to believe. I think blood, bloody hell is done it. Served with a secret fire, wield the flame of our law. And don't forget to comment on everything. Join the locals, pledge to the project, and you get, uh, there's extra videos I'm doing, probably one a week, but a uh, few a month. There's going to be more levels of it, more features, and I'm going to link the Discord hopefully below this. And, and I've got a whole deck, of course, that I'm putting on the website, which describes everything this is. It's a wider thing. I've been working on it for a long, long time. It's not just a YouTube channel. So that's going to be on the website soon, the whole the description of the project. 